we are so grateful that you are joining us today. We as a community pray that the Lord would refresh you as you hear today's message. If you would like to support and further the work here in the city, please visit us at www.oasischurchchicago.com or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Now, here's Pastor JP with today's message. Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you guys. Anybody thankful to be in church? I'm grateful to uh, be here this morning. I hope you are too. It's good to have each and every one of you here. And uh, today, I got a message um, that I want to preach to us. And, uh, and then we're going to take communion at the end of this service together as a family. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that I get to call my church my family. This is what the church should be. And so each and every one of you that are here today, uh, I've said it often lately, you're not here by chance. You're not just here by some strange opportunity of inv- invitation. You're here because Jesus wants to speak to you today. More than I'm going to speak, I pray that you hear his voice than you hear my voice. I pray that you feel him more than you feel anything else happening in this room today. That you feel the tangible presence of Jesus Christ in this place today. And um, I got a message uh, entitled today, The Right Angle. The Right Angle. And um, I'm going to read out of the book of Genesis. We're going old school today. Old Testament. It's good. Hallelujah. Some of you are like, I think so. <laughs> it's awesome. Read the whole Bible. It's a love story about Jesus the entire time. It's so good. And um, I'm going to read out of this translation. If you do not have it, you can look because it's going to be really, really big behind me. So follow along on the screen. And uh, we're going to have just an amazing time. God's word's going to speak. Amen? T- talking about the story of Joseph here in this. And Joseph is now... In his rightful position, he is no longer in the prison or in the pit, but he's in the palace. And it says this, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him in the word. And word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. I'm going to give us some background in a moment. Please, Joseph says, please come closer, he said to them. So So they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery. Okay, you guys catching what's happening here? Joseph is saying to his brothers, his blood relatives, come closer to me. Come closer to me. Hey, I know you sold me into slavery. It's all good. We good now. Come closer to me. I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this, pa- to this place. This is it. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. Twice he has said, God has sent me ahead of you. 
So it was God who sent me here, not you, a third time, Joseph. Anybody think that Joseph's trying to get a point across to his brothers? God has sent me ahead. God has sent me ahead. God has sent me here for you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over the land of Egypt. So come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen where you can be near with all of your children and grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and everything you own. I will take care of you from, uh, I will take care of you there for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, your household and all your animals will starve. Then Joseph added, look, you can see for yourself and so can my brother Benjamin that I really am Joseph. Go tell my father of my honored position here in Egypt. Describe for him everything you have seen, and then bring my father here quickly. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. It's a powerful story. It's a powerful story. Jesus, this morning, I pray, God, that We will look at life. We will look at you. We will look at ourselves and others, God, with the right angle. Jesus, I pray that we will hear from you and you only, that your Holy Spirit will open up ears in this place, that you open up the hearts in this place. God, would you just captivate us by your presence? Father, would we come alive here in this place? So, Father, speak to us. Speak through me, I ask. Change hearts here. We love you. We praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The right angle. Recently, Rachel and I were sitting at a little restaurant, cafe thing, and we were talking, having a lovely date. It was amazing. And my ADD looked immediately outside to a window. Found a window that was right next to us, and something caught my attention in the window as Rachel's whispering sweet nothings to me, telling me how much she loves me, and she's so madly crazy about me. It's awesome. Dreams. <laughs> and she was like, hey, what are you looking at? What caught your attention? And I'm not a guy that's fascinated by a lot of things that are here on earth, but this thing caught my attention in that moment, and it was, it was a really, really, really nice sports car. <laughs> Men, you know what I'm talking about. It just caught my attention. I've never been one to be like, wow, you know, fascinated by cars. But this particular car really caught my attention. I had the color of it, the, the, the wheels on it, the sound of it. I was like, that is a car. That is a man's car. And I was like just captivated by this. And Rachel's like, what are you looking at? What are you, what are you, what are you so captivated by? And I was like, do you see that car right out there? Look at it, Rachel. Just look at it. And she and she looked out the window, and she said, what are you talking about? I don't see anything that is something to awe about. And I said, you don't see, the, we're sitting across the table looking out the same window. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know what you're seeing. I said, I am seeing this amazing car. She says, all I see is this VW, Volkswagen car. I said, what? That is not a Volkswagen <laughs> I have seen Volkswagen. That is not, if anybody has a Volkswagen, you're awesome. Nothing against VWs. She says, I can't see this car that you're describing to me. 
I can't see this thing that you're saying. I said, it's right there. I am looking at it. Man, have you ever been in that situation before? Don't raise your hand if you're married in this place. Were you trying to tell your wife, it's right there. I see it. And she's like, I don't see it. And in my mind, I'm going, how? We're sitting across from each other. We're looking out the same window. How does she not see what I am seeing? And she said, JP, come over here. And I picked my head up over, and the angle to which she was looking out the window, all she saw was a VW. And I said, well, you come over here then (laughs) and see what I am seeing. And would you know that as she looked out the window, she could see from the angle that I was sitting something a little bit, no offense, nicer than a Volkswagen. She saw the sports car that I was talking. And I said to her immediately, I was like, wow. Isn't that impactful that you could be sitting at the same table, looking out the same window, and if you just have a slightly different angle, you see something way different than the person across the table from you. Whole. I immediately said to her, there's my sermon for Sunday. (laughs) She was like, really? I said, yeah. Because I've looked across our church, I've looked across the landscape of believers, and oftentimes I'm sitting there going, why is it so hard for people to see the goodness of Jesus, even in the midst of whatever is happening? And the Lord said to me, JP, sometimes it's hard for you to see my goodness in what I'm doing in the midst of what's happening, because you have the wrong angle. You're looking at it the wrong way. You're blocked by something, and I'm trying to remove you from that block. See, angle defined in the dictionary, because I'm a dictionary kind of guy. You're all quiet this morning. You awake this morning? You want to know what's defined by? Let me tell you what Webster says. Webby, he's a good guy. He says this, a, per- a particular way of approaching or considering an issue or a problem. It's a viewpoint or a standpoint on something. An angle is a particular way of approaching or considering an issue or a problem. It's, a, it's, it's in the way that you see something. It's your viewpoint. It's your standpoint. See, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, can I say something? We all need to have the same viewpoint. You want to know what it is? That Jesus Christ is the Lord. He is king. He is savior. He is sitting on his throne. He is alive. He is moving. He is speaking. He is impacting. He is changing. He is delivering. He is growing. He is shaping. He is healing. He is restoring. I could keep going on and on and on and on and on and on. That's the angle of who Jesus is. See, if you have the wrong angle of who Jesus is, you're going to operate in life from the angle to which you see Jesus as. This is just the nature of us. Tyrone, Ty- come here. Tyrone. Can we welcome Tyrone? He's my guy. Amazing man. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. I need you for an example here. Just because I saw you and I'm going to use you. Stand right here. Stand right here, center. Everyone say hi, Tyrone. Let's just, for an instance, can you go with me for a second here? Let's just say Tyrone is Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Everyone's going to be like, oh, I knew I was coming to this church. They're crazy. But if Tyrone is Jesus, some of you in this place today are right here. You're standing right here. And Jesus is not moving. Jesus hasn't shifted. Jesus hasn't changed because the word says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Y'all wait. Don't be scared right here. I love you all. You look amazing. Jesus hasn't moved. And some of you are standing right here. 
And Jesus is saying, hey, JP, come out behind that thing. Get out behind that block. And you're more satisfied to stare at this thing than if you just take one second of faith. If you take one step of faith and say, oh, Jesus, you're calling my name. I'm blocked by something. And you just take one step. You got the right angle of who Jesus is. You see Jesus exactly who he is. You know exactly what he has in store for you. You know exactly who he says you are. You know this is good. Some of you have been blocked, and you're satisfied by standing behind the block. Because if you actually get behind and you get the right angle of who Jesus is, Jesus may call you to do something that you don't really want to do. He may call you to let go of something that you don't really want to let go. He may call you to step in a place that you don't want to step, but I'm going to tell you something. This pillar, it's ugly. (laughs) It's disgusting. It's boring. Tyrone, he's a good-looking man. (laughs) Come on, sit down, sit down. No, it's the truth, though. Like, Jesus' goodness and his grace is so good. But we're more satisfied to sit behind the pillar and stare at what is in front of us instead of just shifting our spirit by the power of God's spirit to get behind the pillar that's in front of us and see Jesus at the right angle. Oh, this is a good word. This is impactful. Some of you are in the midst of the storm today. And you're looking at the storm as, oh, it's just God just put me through it. It's so hard. What if you shifted your angle of what the storm is and actually see that the storm is a breeding ground of what God wants to do in and through you? That you can actually learn how to praise God through a storm than sitting in a storm and just sitting in and doing nothing in it. You can actually learn, if you get the right angle, that praising God through the storm brings the breakthrough through the storm. The right angle. Some of you are in a place of loneliness today. Welcome to the lofts. If you guys are all here in the footsteps, we need a building. Mm, Right angle, God, I'm trying to get a building. Peyton, can you come up and play if she's here? Some of you are looking at loneliness as this this thing of loneliness. I'm just lonely. God's never going to give me what I need. I'm just going to be alone forever. Maybe just maybe if you shift your angles, you realize that what God is doing in and through you right now is preparing you to take you to a place where you're not going to be lonely. You're actually going to be surrounded by a lot of people. But if you're in the place that you're in today and you get around those people, you may wreck the relationships that he wants to take you to. So right now, change the angle. Shift the angle. Some of you are like, man, God has not provided for me. My family's in a lack financially. We're not going to make it. We're not going to be able to do what God has called us to do. Shift the angle. You know what I believe he's saying? I penned this, and this was really hard to write. Some of you are hurting financially. Some of you don't know what's going to happen next. Guess what? How about you become even more generous today than you were yesterday? Maybe just maybe shift the angle. You know what? Maybe I will be more generous with what I have. I don't know how God's going to do it, but I'm going to take him at his word today. I'm going to shift my angle. Some of you are seeing the future through the lenses of someone else's future. Shift the angle. See that Jesus has a plan and a purpose for you. It's not a pillar. It's beauty. It's grace. Change the angle. Is this encouraging you this morning? I'm getting to scripture. You're like, where's Joseph and all this? I'm getting there. But I think I need to set this up that some of us are looking at angles that, that are destroying us. And if we just look at a different angle, we actually will see the goodness of Jesus Christ. 
will see the grace. Some of you are looking at the church as this perfect place with perfect leaders, with people that are never going to do anything wrong. (laughs) Can I be the first to tell you? I am not perfect, and I never will be. Only by God's grace am I able to do what I'm doing. And so some of you walk in and say, well, the church isn't perfect. They haven't met my needs. I'm just needing the church. Can I say something in love? Say it with a smile on my face. <laughs> can I, can I, the church is imperfect. It's only by God's grace that we're able to do what we do. And guess what? The church will meet your needs because that's what Jesus says. But guess what? You're the church. And you have a Savior that you have direct access to. You don't need the pastor to come and meet with. You don't need the, you have the direct access to the throne room of grace. And so the needs that aren't being met by the church, why don't they get met by Jesus so that you can be the church in this city? Why don't you be the church? Instead of saying, well, the church hasn't met my needs. I'm not giving that church anything. Why don't you show up and be the church because your needs have been met by Jesus before you get here. And we can have an amazing party together and just celebrate what Jesus is doing. And see lost people be found in this place because we've shifted our angle. Well, I'm not going to serve there. They just want me to serve. They They just want me to serve. Oh, no, you guys laugh. This is what we hear. And the same people are serving. Over and over and over and over and over again. And they're awesome. And you are awesome. This is not condemnation whatsoever. we got to change our angles. The church just wants me to show up. They want me to do this stuff. Why? So that pastor can get up there with the bright lights and look really good for the Instagram, all that stuff. No. You know why we say to come and serve God's house? We know why we tell you to come and serve at Love Inglewoods. We know why. Because Jesus said the greatest among you will not be the ones that sit on the sidelines. He says the greatest among you will be the ones that serve my kingdom. We'll serve my church. We'll build my church. Change the angle. We're not getting anything from you. We don't want anything from you. What I want for you is an abundant life of Jesus Christ. What I want for you is a blessing over your marriage, over your home, over your relationship, over your schoolwork. I want a blessing for your life. And you know what happens when you begin to serve and you get the right angle of why we serve? We serve then so that we serve out of a posture because he loved us first. And this is, see, Joseph is just an impactful young man. I love Joseph's story. It's such an amazing, hard, just crazy story. See, Joseph was a young boy. He was one of many sons. And the story goes, I don't have time to read all of it. Go home and read your Bible. It's good. It's very good. And he goes, and his brothers hate him so much because Joseph is young, but he tells them he's going to have a dream. He had a dream. And that one day they were going to bow down to him. Joseph, use some discernment. Another sermon. And the brothers get so mad at him, and they see him coming off from the distance, and they're so enraged by Joseph's commitment to Jesus that they say, we're going to kill him. They genuinely say that. We're going to kill our brother. Talk about hate. That's a, that's a hate that is burning inside of them. They're like no other. But one of the brothers has the wherewithal to say, let's not kill him. Let's throw him. And let's sell him off into slavery. Right? So they sell him into slavery. And he goes, and he... He's now a slave boy. And then, and then he goes into a house where he's serving, and the housewife, the woman of the house, accuses him of trying to sleep with her. Joseph didn't try to do that. Joseph was a man of God and integrity. And Joseph didn't slip for a moment. He didn't mess up for a moment. He stayed true to who he was. 
And so the woman accuses of this. He is now then thrown into prison. Talk about a story. Just, man, talk about the angle that he could look through. So he's thrown into prison and in the prison. And we read scripture and we think Joseph was just in prison for a couple days. He just got a little slap on the wrist. No, these are years of Joseph's lives that are wasted and that, that, are, that are part of what he thinks isn't part of his story. But Joseph stays true to God. And in prison, he shares two interpretations of dreams to two individuals. And he says, hey, when you get out of here, don't forget about me, your boy. Your boy, right here. This guy, your boy. Don't forget about your boy. Guess what they do? They forget about their boy. Joseph stays in prison. While the one gets out, the other one, not so much. And so, finally, the guy remembers him that he interprets his dream as he's in front of Pharaoh. And he says, hey, Pharaoh, you have a dream, and I know a kid that can interpret your dream. And Pharaoh brings Joseph into his palace, and Joseph interprets the dreams, and the dream is that he's going to save humanity of that nation, of all that nation, sorry, because of the famine that's to come. Talk about a sequence of events. You guys with me? Talk about a sequence of events that Joseph at any point, if anybody had the right to stand behind the pillar and say, God, you haven't done anything for me. You haven't done enough for me. It's Joseph. Joseph doesn't do that. Every single point in his life, he sees differently. He sees Jesus the way that Jesus has called us to see him. The first thing that Joseph sees and that he changes what he sees is he changes the angle of how he sees himself. You need to change the angle of how you see yourself. This isn't the main truth of this passage of scripture, but these are things that I take away that are going to help us walk out and get outside of the pillar and see Jesus working on us. You need to start changing the angle to which you see yourself. Stop self-condemning. Stop waking up in the morning and say, I'm a dirtbag. I'm not pretty enough. I don't have what they have. I don't have the, 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 the fits that they have. I don't even know if that's a word today anymore. I, I'm not who I, who I want to be. I'm still this person that, that has been caught up far too long. I'm still this person that is lost in sin. No, 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 no. When you said, Jesus, by faith, come into my life and my heart, you're brand new. You're brand new. You know what brand new is? Brand new. Fresh. Repackaged. Everything. And some of you are looking through the angle of your past experiences. You're missing what Jesus would say, and that is to have my identity in you. When you have the identity of Christ in you, you will become unstoppable. Unstoppable. The greatest attack of the enemy is that he wants you to angle yourself to see your position from the past. Yeah. That's the work of the enemy. That he wants to position you in an angle to only see your past. Your past experiences, your past mistakes, your past downfalls, your past shortcomings. If Satan can fix your eyes upon the past, Jesus can't then fix your eyes on the present. And Joseph, of all boys, he doesn't look from the angle of, well, man, my brother's trying to kill me. <laughs> he could have, rightfully so. Man, they sold me into slavery. Man, that girl, she crazy. She, she accused me of something. Woo! Man, I, I was imprisoned. Joseph doesn't look at that. You know what Joseph says in verse 3 of that scripture that I think is so powerful? When his brothers show up, the people that he could look at and be like, hey, you did this to me. He could start just oh, bulldozing over people. Anybody ever want to confront a person from their past and say all sorts of crazy things to them? 
Three at Miss Mama, you're awesome because we'll do this together. The rest of you all, you're either here with me breathing or you're just out somewhere else. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I've been confronted with somebody from my past. And I have wanted to give them blessings and love and shower them. Man. But it's the truth, though, right? Because Joseph doesn't call his brothers in and say, look what you did to me. Oh, I'm going to give them a new one. He says, hey, 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 hey. He tells him who he is. He says, I'm Joseph. No says he doesn't say, hey, I'm that kid that you tried to kill. I'm the kid that you tried to hurt. I'm the kid that was in prison for doing nothing wrong. I'm the kid that was just interpreting dreams. He doesn't say that. He says, hey, guys, it's me, Joseph. You know what I think about this story and what I see in this story? Joseph had the right angle of who he was. He wasn't a Hebrew slave boy anymore. He wasn't a prisoner anymore. He was who God made him to be, and that was Joseph. This is good. Because when you have the revelation that you are who God has made you to be, you are who God has called you to be, nothing can stop you. You don't live off a victim mentality of the past. Can I say something in love? The victim mentality of today is hindering people more than ever before from walking in the destiny and the purpose and the call that God has for you. The victim mentality is not of Jesus. It is of Satan and of his schemes and of his attacks. You don't walk as a victim any longer. You walk as somebody in freedom forever because the blood of Jesus Christ paid for it. Yes, some things have happened to you. Yes, some dark days fell upon you. Yes, some experiences that are dark and crazy and hurtful and so sorrowful have happened. But guess what? Jesus washes it white as snow. This is who I see myself in. I pray that today you get the angle of who Jesus is calling you to be. What Jesus says about you. Well, I don't know, JP, what he's saying about you. Get close. Get close. For we know our old self, Romans 6 says, was crucified with Christ so the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. I know who I am. Do you know who you are today? Can you have the right angle of who Jesus says about you? He says you, he calls you his son and daughter. Do you ever wish he says something else? <laughs> like, you are incredible and awesome and just amazing, JP. That's, like, if you pen those words in here. The highest honor in, in, when this time was to be called a son and a daughter. Jesus says, you're my son and my daughter. That means he's your father, and he cares for you more than any person in this world will ever care for you. Okay, number two. We need to change the angle then when we understand this. We need to change the angle of how you see people. Ooh, we got to get the right angle here today. So when you understand who you are, then you start to see people the way Jesus sees people. Can I, can I say a statement? I've said this a lot today. I'm going to say a statement. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to have a radical encounter with his presence for him to change the way you see people. I am so, I'm discouraged. I'm not, I'm not, I'm discouraged by the way church is treating people. Why? 
Because church people are walking around with a misidentity of who they are. When we start to see ourselves the way Jesus starts to see ourselves, you start to treat people the same way that you would want to be treated. Hello? Joseph does not say to his brothers, this is who I am. This is what you did. He doesn't say to the, the, the people, get him out of here. I'm done with them. I got nothing to say to him. You know what Joseph says to his brothers, which is so beautiful? He says, come close. What, Joe? You know what they did to you? I'd be the guy in the corner like, don't do it. <laughs> Leave them there. <laughs> it's good for them. Teach them a lesson. Hello. Church folk. Oh, it's good. Just let them sit in their shame. It's good for them. No, it ain't. Come closer. Because what's inside of you, someone else needs. And when you start to see people the way Jesus sees them, you don't say, hey, stay over there. You got some messes. Guess what? We all got messes. We all got nasty stuff in us. And only by the grace of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ are we able to stand and say that we are clean and free in Jesus' name. So guess what? When you understand who Jesus says about you, you can say to people, instead of being distant, come close. Come close. Change the angle. I'm not a people person. I hear it all the time. Really? You know what Jesus says? Hey, love me with all your heart, soul, and mind strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know what I said earlier? We all have the same call and commission. There it is. <laughs> it's people. The church should be doing a whole, no, the church should be about people. And the reason the church isn't about people today is because people are fixated on self instead of others. You're more concerned about me being re released of the things that Jesus already spoke a release over. Another sermon, another time. But instead of focusing on that, why don't we start focusing on people and say to people, come close, come near. Come experience what we're experiencing. Come be a part of what we're a part of. It's amazing. Does anybody else want this? Band can come up. Come on. We're, we're, we're going to finish up here. Some of you are still viewing people through the pit experience. Some of you are still, still viewing people through the prison experience. Imagine if Joseph viewed his brothers through those lenses. This story wouldn't have gone the same way. We all read the story like, aww. And nobody else? I'm like, oh, Joseph, you're so kind. Did anybody read the story? <laughs> like, you're such a nice brother. <laughs> Bless you, brother. Bless you. And then we look at our own lives and we're like, oh, no, it's just Joseph's story, not mine. Because you'd rather live in the pit, in the prison, instead of viewing people through the presence of God. Can we start to view people the right way and see them the way Jesus sees them? I don't care if they're broken. I don't care if they're lost. I don't care if they have been kicked out, left out. Start to have eyes for all people and say to them, come close and let me show you the goodness of my God. And the last thing is this. We need to change the angle of how we see God. We need to change the angle. See, we... Read this story, and if I'm one to be honest, I would tell Joseph, bro, you got every right to be mad at God. You got every right to be ticked off at what he did to you. Hey, hey, if there's anybody here today that would have a reason to be upset, it's Joseph. I don't know all your stories, but I, I'm just going to take a guess and forgive me. But his story is pretty insane compared to the most of us. The average person, this is a story that you're like, whoa. Slavery? Sold? Tried to be killed, thrown into prison. Man, woo! You know what he says three times? 
man, my God is the worst. No. He says, hey, bros, my God is so good. I imagine Joseph with a smile on his face. That he sent me here. He sent me here. He did this for you. Wait, that messes with my theology. God doesn't send us through some stuff to get us to the... Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. God sent Joseph through those situations and circumstances. Joseph says it three times. You want to talk about an angle? That's an angle of seeing God the right way. Hey, guess what? I may have been in a prison. I may have been in a pit, but my God is still good. Hey, I may have been kicked out, left out, but Jesus has redeemed my life. Hey, I may have been broken and not whole, but guess what? I'm whole in Jesus' name today. Hey, guess what? You may have labeled me as something. You may have hated me because of something, but today I am found in Jesus' name. He doesn't say, hey, yeah, all the excuses, everything else, that's who God is. No, he says, my God is still true. My God is still yes and amen today. My God is for me and not against me. My God is the same God that began a good work in me. He's going to carry to completion. My God has plans for me to prosper, not to harm me, not to do anything else to me except for me to prosper. Is this a to anybody. Man, come on, we're going to pray. Come on. Because this is the goodness of God. you got to start looking at the angle of who God is and stop saying, I'm going to look at the angle of how I want to get behind, outside of the pillar and see Jesus for who he is. He's a gracious God. He's a God filled with mercy and grace and love and compassion, slow to anger, abounding in love. He's tender. He's kind. Yeah, he convicts us. And thank God for conviction. But he's good. And the right angle of Jesus today is, just like Joseph was sent ahead, Jesus was sent ahead. That's good news. We're going to close with this. Everything in Scripture points to Jesus. I believe this. Jesus was sent ahead. And as Jesus was sent ahead, he was left out. Man, that boy didn't even have a place to get birthed in. You want to talk about being left out? We saw we got no room. Yo, I'm, I'm about to expect a son. <laughs> if somebody said to me in a hospital, I got no room, oh, <laughs> you will be seeing me praising the Lord and blessing everybody. <laughs> he had nowhere to come to this world in. He was a carpenter. He had a mother and a father who weren't married. He had a mother who was 13 years old. He didn't have a story of this amazing legacy. He, he grew up in the things of God, and he walked in the obedience of God, and he arrives to the scene to do his ministry for three years, to give life to his people, to give life to you and me, the people that were not the children of Israel. And he, and he says every single day, hey, I'm doing this because I love you. Hey, I'm going to go to this thing called the cross because I love you. People kicked him. People beat him. People hated him. And he didn't say ever, God, where are you? No, what he said is, I've been sent this way. This is why I'm coming to do this, so that I can redeem mankind forever. He had the right angle of who he was called to be and what his mission was. You know what that angle was? You. I'm going over. I'm sorry. Because this, this needs to click for somebody in this place today. Jesus' whole reason he went to the cross, the angle for it, yes, out of obedience to God, but secondly, for you. For you. So that you no longer have to be a slave to sin. You no longer have to walk in bondage. You no longer have to walk in fear. You can walk in freedom in Jesus' name. This is the angle of who our God is. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for it. Anybody thankful for Jesus in this place? That he went all the way, not halfway for us. 
Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?